wandering She's been wandering We were going down to the riverside Welcome to Cheese Underground Radio. I'm Jeannie Carpenter. Thanks so much for joining us. Today we visit Sartori Cheese in Antigo, Wisconsin and talk with a master cheesemaker and his soon-to-be replacement. Stay with us. There's nothing to fear Don't tell me you're too busy Cause I'm too dizzy with life It's buzzing in my ear Today's Cheese Underground Radio is sponsored by Dairy Connection Incorporated, supplier of cultures, enzymes, cheesemaking supplies, and trusted expertise since 1999. A family-owned business based in Madison, Wisconsin, the dedicated Dairy Connection team takes pride in its commitment to be the premier supplier to artisan, specialty, and farmstead cheesemakers nationwide. To learn more, visit dairyconnection.com. Sartori's master cheesemaker, Mike Machucheski, is training his replacement. In a state full of third, fourth, and even fifth-generation cheesemakers, the vast majority of whom are men, his replacement is a 34-year-old woman. Five years ago, when I first visited the Sartori plant in Antigo, Wisconsin, Mike told me he was beginning to plan his retirement. He was adamant a woman would replace him. At the time, I was surprised. The Wisconsin dairy industry is dominated by men. Most cheesemakers, milk haulers, veterinarians, farmers, even cheesemongers are men. I wondered if he would be successful in this quest. So earlier this summer, I visited the Sartori cheese plant at Antigo again to get the scoop and whether Mike had found a new wizard behind the Sartori cheese curtain to replace him. In our overnight room, our acidification room. I don't know if you remember the old one. Yeah. Feeling about like this. It's a little bigger. Wow. This is a lot nicer. And nicer, easier to clean, temperature, humidity control. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's. This is like night and day. Yes. That was oh. one thing that struck me when I got the tour in 2012 was how old. <laughs> You're making like world class cheese in a really old cheese plant. In the less than perfect uh, condition. Yeah. Yeah, so this is very impressive. And that's great to be proud of that, but yeah, somebody came up with a term for what we are. We're like, we're artisan with scale. So and yeah, we are. But we, we, we don't miss the details. Can't, because you become somebody else. But first, as a journalist, it's always important for me to know how to say someone's name correctly. It turns out, I've actually been saying Mike's last name wrong for years. Mike, how do I pronounce your last name? Incorrectly. <laughs> <laughs> Matuszewski. Oh, there's no way I can ever say that. Just like it's spelled. Say it again. Matuszewski. Matu Matuszewski? Yes. I have been saying it wrong. And you're saying it how? Matuszewski? And that's a common mistake. Because okay. my, okay, my grandfather changed the spelling. And if you understand Polish, <laughs> you go, why did you do a, he did the French CH instead of the hard CH. Okay. Because okay. originally it's M-A-T-U-S-C-E-W-S-K-I. And now that I know how to properly pronounce his last name, I asked Mike to first tell us about how he got started in the cheese business. 
<laughs> I started working here in Anigo on March 3rd, 24 years ago. Wow, okay. 24 years ago. And what were you making? We were making Parmesan, Asiago, a little bit of Romano. Okay. And who, so that was Antigo cheese? That was Kraft. Oh, that was, this was a Kraft plant. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so um, the the Parmesan that you were making, like, was that going into, like, the little green Kraft yep. cans? Yes. That's kind of cool. It's kind of cool until they showed up on May 4th, 24 years ago, and said, we're closing this place. And then what happened? As Larry Steckbar said, he never had a green can in his house again. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened after that, it was like it was very fortuitous, the politics of the day um, and also the situation that this plant had with Kraft itself. They were able to work out a deal to purchase. The, Gov- the employees? Governor Thompson, you know, he said, this has got to stop. And uh, the state provided a little bit of seed money to do a feasibility study. But really, really what was really important was there was this connection between the craft organization and this antical plant. And most of us, we know it's because JL Craft family still has uh, a house up here. Uh, north of Anigo, Craftwood Gardens. They've recently restored it. But it was, yeah, this was his summer home. This was his favorite plant, et cetera. His, uh, I believe his sister actually worked here. So it's like there was there was always that connection. Okay. So th- was that when it became Antigo Cheese? Yes. Uh, I think by October of that year, uh, it was Antigo Cheese. Okay. And did you still make the same cheese? Uh, no. Uh, one of the conditions was that, okay, we reached a deal with Kraft that we would sell them cheese, but it wasn't even their original recipe. And then for anything that Anigo wanted to do, we had to come up with our own. Hmm. And that was, uh, again, other people way beyond me that had been here a long time, John Griffiths, who re- retired a few years ago, and a bunch of others. We worked with all the different culture houses to we know what we want it to be like so then I remember you know being like I was on the floor as a hooper hauling cheese and stuff like that we had three or four different versions and uh, it was a surprise to people in the parmesan community that we picked what we picked but that gave us what we felt was that original antico cheese that was part of craft was that, was, so that original Parmesan cheese, was that the beginnings of what is now Cervecchio? Yes. Yes. That's pretty cool. That I is. remember you used to make Cervecchio blocks, right? Blocks, no. No? No. Maybe it was the Bellotano you were making in blocks. Yes. Yes. I remember that because I remember going to a tra- food show mm-hmm. and you had a sales guy there and I didn't know you yet and he was presenting this really amazing cheese, but it was in this giant block. And I remember thinking, you know, if this was on a wheel, I could sell a lot of this. <laughs> and so did Sartori. <laughs> <laughs> but again, when you put it in a wheel and you brought it into this plant, because uh, Bella Vitano, uh, original creation of Sartori in Plymouth. Mm, the rough guess anybody has is 1999. 
because you when you play with stuff experimentally da 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 so again yes originally was a block and we all had the notion it would make a wonderful wheel and anytime you move it from one plant to another you have to adapt and change and Sartori was actually very free and easy with that. Guess what you don't know doesn't hurt you. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently it turned out okay. Uh, yeah, apparently. Tell me, tell me about how, um, was the Bella Vitano recipe, I mean, I think, it wasn't this a sort of a creation by you? No? Yes? Um, were you, you were involved in it. I was involved in that, but again, uh, Bella Vitano existed with Sartori in Plymouth, and when they purchased this facility in 2006, they brought that with them, and then it was, okay, here, we want this to be a wheel, and we tried different versions, and uh, been tweaking it ever since, because you always tweak. When did the first flavors come out? <sighs> 2008, as I recall. And how do you come up? Are you primarily the flavor, the flavor wizard? Guilty. <laughs> and how do the flavors come about? How do they come about? Uh, really, the original flavors came about going to the uh, American Cheese Society conference in Burlington. And the first time I had ever been to it, and I was kind of a last minute addition. Somebody else dropped out, I won't mention his name my boss. <laughs> so I got to go and that was all kind of cool because I actually lived out there for like six months so it was kind of like going home and seeing different things and met up with the head of marketing at the time and we were looking at different things. So what do you think of this beer cheese? And it was like, well, if you like stale beer, can, well, can you do better? I go, and Nuclearis, you know, already knew that was the right one. So that was really the first flavor. The raspberry ale. And yeah. then it was like, well, Merlot makes sense. And when we were also playing with Asiago's and then there was basil and rosemary, they came out kind of together. And black pepper was just kind of, it looks cool. looks nice. But it, well, it tastes good too. <laughs> well, then, yeah, you end up later fi finding out it tastes good because, e because you have an idea doesn't mean it's going to work. You have those all the time. So um, when I was here, I was here five years ago, and uh, your marketing folks were very nice to set up a tour um, with with me, with mm -hmm. you, and we made a little cheese, and um, you know I got to touch some curds and get the tour. And the thing that I remember the most is going into the room where the wheels of Belvatano and Asiago they were all treated. So that's where um, you know the wheels are being rubbed with like the basil and olive oil or um, you know, whatever else you're applying to the wheels. And what struck me the most, I was sort of expecting like this machine or, I don't know what I was expecting, but there were two women standing there with like a tub of stuff. Yes. And hand applying it. Mm -hmm. And is it is that still the way? That's, it how still it's, that's how it's done. I, I know people have talked about automating it at some level. Oh, well, you can do auto detailing. It's like, well, go make that food grade. Have fun with that. And again, you take all the fun out of it too. And uh, what I what I see has developed down in rubbing, in particular, it's social hour. 
you have this ability to be with people and it's just like you talk talk about your kids, talk about whatever, da-da-da-da-da, give each other crap, and you're sitting there and you're doing your work. And it, to me it was really important for anybody who's rubbing in particular to have their own rhythm, their own method of doing it. Because I'll, I'll do it this way, it's like, no, it doesn't matter. We want it to look like this. However you figure out how to do it best, and that's what they do. Yeah, they do. They were very nice. They let me do, do I think it was like rosemary and olive oil. Because mm -hmm. I remember the rosemary. And uh, they were showing me how to do it. So, you know, I got to do it. You know, I had had all the, the everyone around me, you know, cheering me on. I was like, oh, this is great. And then they put it up in the rack. And then we're leaving. And I turned back around. And they're pulling my wheel off the rack and fixing it. <laughs> but they were so nice to let me think that, oh, look, Jeannie, you did such a good job. You did a wonderful job. <laughs> And you did one, and we did ten while you were doing one. <laughs> that's exactly right. But that's practice makes very good. But that um, I think that's I think Sartori is you, you've you've reached enough success that and your your brand is in so many marketplaces that I think people are forgetting that you are still you're still making cheese the artisan way. You're mm -hmm. still you know you have open fats. You're still cutting curd you're applying um, ingredients by hand yes yes um, and I think that's pretty cool to even though that even though you can now buy you know Bella Vitano at, at Costco somebody is still making that by hand yes but nobody not even Mike Matuszewski can make cheese forever he's planning to retire in three years and in preparation recently handpicked his successor She's a 34-year-old woman named Erin Radke. She's already got several years of cheesemaking experience to her name and is looking forward to starting her master cheesemaking training in a few years. Okay, so I actually grew up in the Anago area. Um, I graduated from high school here. Um, I started working at Sartori in, well, actually Anago Cheese in 2004. So I've actually been here for eh, on and off about 12 years. See, that's really important, the <laughs> anigo cheese part. Yeah. Well, the anigo part is, too, because I'm, I'm an anigo, 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 anigo. I left for a bit and back. So then it was really important, I, I think, as part of selection is, okay, you are going to be part of this community and that it's going to take a lot to make you move on. So I actually started in... What we had at that point was the hooping, which was one side of the road, we always called it, and um, green pack, which we still have here, and aged room. So aged room was when we would bring cheese back and we would have to rebag it, inspect it, things like that. So Your favorite job, scraping mold. Yeah, <laughs> clean and sort. <laughs> uh, worked a little bit in deli and wedge, which those, those have been moved down to Plymouth. Uh, the scale that we had here was so small. Uh, going down to Plymouth and seeing that operation now is just insane, the amount of cheese that they can process. So that's all good. All good stuff. Um, we actually did some waxing and boxing here also on a really small scale. So um, I worked in those rooms. Um, when I came back, because I did leave for a short period of time from Anago Cheese, um, my husband and I were having starting a family, so um, 
came back and I came back to hooping. So started in the hooping department, was cross-trained, started working as backup to tell their departments, kind of learning more about cheese making in general. Uh, when Sartori came in, I actually started as hooping, moved to backup, worked as a relief operator. So I actually learned all the different departments in the plant. And uh, as soon as I got to Cheesemake, I knew, like, I love this job. Other people would say this is, this is boring. When everything is running good, I mean, really, you're, you're watching the process, and it's, it's boring to people. For me, it was interesting. And I was always striving to try and make things better. So I was looking at things temperatures, sets, all these things that go into cheese making and saying, hey, Mike, Larry, can we, can we look at this? Should we tweak this just a little bit? Like, what do you guys think? Because, you know, watching the process over and over, you start to notice little things and differences that ultimately you can change for the better. So, so um, do you remember when you first met Mike? I met Mike um, probably in 2004 when uh, I was working in Green Pack and Clean and Sort in our in our age room. So, yep. <laughs> back then, and you Mike, came, you, were you, you a supervisor? I was at that a supervisor point? back yeah. then, and you came over and worked on second for wanted to learn hooping and all those right. fun things. Yep. So he was nice to you. <laughs> being a perfectionist does not always lend itself to being nice all of the time. But that didn't deter Erin. She was determined to make cheese. So she started taking cheesemaking courses at the Center for Dairy Research in Wisconsin. She kept her head down. She kept working hard. She's taken literally every cheese course that exists in Wisconsin. She will be eligible to start the Master Cheesemaker program in four years. She says she wants to become certified in Parmesan and mixed milk cheese. By then, of course, Mr. Matuszewski will be retired, and Erin will be one of literally only a handful of women Master Cheesemakers in the state, as in the third one. I asked her what that might mean to her. Yeah, I feel like it is important because just working in the, in the milk or cheese industry in general is not easy for women. Um, if you go to any dairy plant, I can guarantee that you're probably three to one, two to one as a ratio of men to women just working. When I became an operator, I think I was, we had one other woman operator at the time. So just that, for me, felt like an accomplishment. Um, I think that becoming a master cheesemaker and being a woman is, is a great accomplishment. And it's telling other women, hey, you can do it. You can work in a cheese plant. You can become a master cheesemaker. You can do anything you really want to do. So set your sights high. It's about using what's up top because uh, traditionally in the dairy industry, it's about brute, brute force. Mm -hmm. And when I started, that was definitely a situation where you know, the guys would try to outdo the ladies and the ladies ended up showing that they were smarter. You didn't have to go to get the same amount of work done. 
Whenever Mike Maciuszewski does retire, he will go out on top. That's because in March, he was named the best cheesemaker in America. His black pepper Bellavitano won the U.S. Championship Cheese Contest. It was his first win on that national stage. And while accepting the award in March, he got a little emotional. Even now, months later, when I ask him what that award means to him, he pauses. You're going to make me cry. <laughs> how, do you, how do you explain doing the impossible? I don't know. It was just a, it's a great feeling. It's still confusing. Because <laughs> you never think you'd do it. I know what the odds are. And for a piece of something you rub black pepper on that, that won it, it's just like... I remember my first uh, contest event. It was many, many years ago at uh, State Fair. And my entry was the Asiago. And I felt it was the best cheese that was there. Well, before it was announced, that Bill Schlingschlag was talking to me. And he goes, well, you know, it's really hard for a specialty cheese to win. So I lost a mild cheddar, <laughs> which really sucked. <laughs> the world's changed a little bit, so, and that's good to see. Our program today was produced by Uriah Carpenter, who, like Mike, prefers radio to television. Mike, uh, you don't mind if we pull a few nostril hairs? <laughs> This young woman pulls out the tweezers and goes, clunk, clunk. No way. Wait. Oh, that makes my nose hurt. I'm holding my nose. Our theme music was composed and performed by Point Five, one of my favorite local bands out of Mineral Point, Wisconsin. So that's it for today. Thanks for joining us. Next week, I'll be talking with Jeff Jerick at the Caves of Faribault in Minnesota. So please don't miss that. Until then, you can keep up with me on my blog, cheeseunderground.com, and on Twitter, at Cheese Geek. Have a great week. Today's Cheese Underground Radio is sponsored by Dairy Connection Incorporated, supplier of cultures, enzymes, cheesemaking supplies, and trusted expertise since 1999. A family-owned business based in Madison, Wisconsin, the dedicated Dairy Connection team takes pride in its commitment to be the premier supplier to artisan, specialty, and farmstead cheesemakers nationwide. To learn more, visit DairyConnection.com. Okay, are we ready? Hey, Mike, thank you so much for having us having us here today at Sartori. Hey, Jeannie, good to see you. <laughs> Is that good? Yeah. Oh my God, I can't do stage stuff. This is going to be awful. <laughs> All right.